the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Hey, good afternoon. Greetings. Thanks for coming along for the Monday edition of the Stay Home. Kath, good to see you. Happy Monday to you. How was your weekend? It was a very nice weekend. Beautiful weather, John. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Worked hard. Got a lot of things accomplished. I Did feel pretty know? good about it. Mm-hmm. Very good. Excellent. Very nice. Uh-huh. And uh, we're just talking before we went to air. Mike, with his birthday party yesterday, uh, a big blowout in your household, Mike. That's yeah? right. Yes, yeah, right. Around, uh, it's probably... Uh, uh, against uh, Governor Wolf's uh, jurisdictions, but Whoa. we didn't care. We wanted a party, and we partied. Care. Listen, Probably. he is like, don't tread on me. That's right. No. That's right. You don't want to catch the governor on a bad day because he is being he's being called out here. So you better be careful over there at the Duffy yeah. household. Did, did I hear correctly <laughs> that he, did I hear correctly that he's going to veto mm-hmm. the uh, yeah. bill? He is. He's going yep. to veto it. Get he out said of by here. the end of today. So listen, you know, it's a done I deal. feel like I, I was a big supporter of the governor when this whole thing started because things were very very difficult. Yep. They were moving fast. There was no playbook or procedure manual for how to handle this. Um, I gave him a lot of props, and I still pray for him. But I got to tell you, I think he is way overreaching Mm -hmm. now. You think? Holy smokes, is he ever. How about going to a high school football game? Get out of here. What is that craziness? Listen, if we we have the same number of people who are allowed in Mike Duffy's house in Heinz Field, I think we've got a problem. That's right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Unless you're a car show, because 20,000 people can show up for a car show. I, no problem. I it's just, it's inconsistent. It's ridiculous. Like, no one is better to judge what the situation is in their town than the people that live in their town. And, and govern their town. Right. So get out of the way, Governor, is what Holy I said. Holy smokes. I see that you're wearing yourself. Is that a is that a cashmere sweater you got on? No, it's not. It's not? It's not. No, no. This is my um. This is my Goodwill sweatshirt. Mm-hmm. What is that? You hired a mustache? It says I love mustaches. <laughs> what? What is that? Mm-hmm. Why would you? I don't know because I don't like mustaches. That's why I, it was ironic. Which is oh, why I, I see. I see. Mm-hmm. I, I, don't take this the wrong way, but mm-hmm. do you go in public with that? Sure. Do you really? Yeah, I like it. I That's surprising. Cute. Thank you. Thank like you. Surprising. Look, I'm going to see now our listening audience can't enjoy this. But no, we're not. We're not streaming, but I'm going to show you again. See, it's a gray love- sweatshirt yes. with a just a big eye and then yeah. a big red heart. Yes. And then like, a you know, a 19, you know, a, a, an old fashioned mustache. It looks extremely right. comfortable and soft. Is it? Thank you, Mike. Plus, wait a second. Do you have the um, uh, do you have the uh, flash dance uh, yeah, there's, going a, there? there's a little bit of flash dance vibe that was ripped when you I got that it here at the top. It's flash dance. Yeah, there's a little bit of Jennifer Jennifer Gray Beale. Garner Beal. <laughs> yeah. Jennifer Beal, right? Jennifer Beal. Yeah. yeah. What a feeling. Right? I Isn't am the... rhythm now. Uh, yeah, she's throwing her hair back. Yes, Water's her, flying in yeah, the air. leg warmers. It was awesome. Like she builds a mill. She's been... <laughs> you know what? She's had a great career. Yeah, she has. You know, yeah, I just. No flash uh, in the pan. 
she yes yeah, she she played Tim Roth's wife on a show called Lie to Me on Fox. Oh, she was so terrific. For that. She was. I mean, if you're playing opposite Tim Roth, you yeah. better get your act together. <laughs> she was really good. Yeah, it's not Mrs. Maisel. I'll tell you no. that. <laughs> okay, it's not Mrs. Maisel. Anyway, so uh, you're you're dressed you know, in a more casual way, which makes me think about uh, something I saw earlier today okay. uh, about the science of dressing um, at home for work. Uh, is there a science to this? Well, apparently there is. Okay, now, I did not know this, but as the pandemic hit in March and everybody went, you know, to their home offices, a lot of people did. People started. Look, today I'm wearing a black sweatshirt. I'm comfortable with this, but the word is that you're somehow you send yourself signals about you know what you look like uh, and how you're dressed, and that in many ways affects your performance. Listen to this. In a series of experiments, uh, the first pitted a group of uh, a bunch of people who were wearing lab coats against people who were wearing just regular street clothes. Those wearing lab coats perform better. Hmm. Because, they felt, because they thought they were working at the clinic counter? Because they somehow that lab coat gave them a sense of importance and they rose to the challenge of importance. Second and third tests, one group that was wearing the lab coats told, were told that they were doctor's coats. Another was told that they were wearing painter's coats. Another wore street clothes. In all the tests, those who were wearing the white doctor's coats outperformed the painters and the street clothes people. Same test, same group of people. Isn't that weird? So what? You're saying that if I want to function at my absolute best during this unprecedented <clears throat> quarantine situation, that I should dress up while I work from home? I'm not saying this is for everybody, but the, the science says that those who dress... Now, look, you don't want to wear a suit and tie around the house because then you're telling yourself in some ways you're a bit of a phony. So says right. the science. So there's got to be a happy medium. Uh, someone said in this piece that I'm reading from the Wall Street Journal that they would dress as if they were going to go to the office perhaps on a Saturday afternoon. Mm, got that, it. You know, you didn't want to look like, you know, like a schmo. You were just cutting the grass. But at the same time, you didn't want to wear a silk blouse either. Mm-hmm. So, and because there's something about it. The body is telling you something about yourself, how you think, how you dress. Right. It, connected. Okay. So I, I see that. Um, I'm, I'm one of these odd people. And I, I say that I'm one of those odd people because people tell me that this is odd though. For me, it's normal. When I get up in the morning, I get completely ready. Completely I do the ready. hair, makeup, the whole thing every single day. Oh, really? doesn't matter who's around. just what I do. It, that's, I don't feel like I'm ready for the day <clears throat> until I'm put together now you're saying that you don't have coffee or you know nope. a, a beverage no nope. breakfast nope you get ready first get ready and then first. you come downstairs exactly i get up in the morning my hair standing straight up really? in the air oh yeah mm. i go downstairs see my wife have a cup of coffee some juice i don't want anybody seeing me like that Mm-mm. no one no no nope. really Mm-mm. now here's the thing though i am wearing my i love mustaches sweatshirt with the flash dance collar with the flash dance collar but I mean, I'm showered. I'm ready to go. So I don't know how to, maybe I am the happy medium. That's interesting. Now, let me also say that there was a little, a moment of tension between my husband and I this weekend over clothes. Why? 
here's the thing. I was trying, I think, without knowing the label at that point, because it was prior to this conversation, I think I was trying to achieve the happy medium. So I went, I, I looked at myself in the mirror like last Thursday and I thought, now what are these pants you're wearing? Mm-hmm. I mean, the pants were just, they're not, they're, they needed to go. So I decided to go online and order myself. Are you ready? I'm using air quotes here. Nice sweats. Oh, yeah, I have a pair of nice sweats. Nice sweats. Okay. It so makes I a ordered, difference. I ordered four pair of nice sweats. Four pair, mm-hmm. top and bottom. No, just bottoms, four okay. colors. Whoa, that's a lot. That, why? Don't take his side. I just like two. Okay, now listen. Oh, All I'm a, saying is my husband crux. was my husband was concerned. He was like, "What? What? Why? What?" And so I had to explain that I needed to kick it up a little bit. I don't need to dress for work like I'm going into the station. Sure, but I need to present a little bit of a better image than I'm currently presenting. So I needed to buy nicer sweats, and I'm wearing them right now, and I feel good about it. I'm glad you brought this up because I'm going to try that same tactic. Are you? I think so. Good. Because listen, we work five days in a week, but we, uh-huh. I mean, usually we are, we're also working some Saturdays, but five days when we're actually doing the show right. and we should be wearing nicer sweats. That's <clears> what I'm saying. That's my theme for today. Wear nicer And you sweats. are buying nicer sweats. You're shopping where? I was, I bought them at the loft. The loft. Okay. I would go to like Land's End. Oh, would you? Okay. Like serious sweats. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Which are like heavy duty and they mm-hmm. feel good. And you know, you can buy things on sale now, right? They're giving exactly. Stuff away. That's why I told my husband, of course I bought them on sale. The mm-hmm. only problem was I had to buy them in two sizes because I didn't know which I was. So I had to buy eight pair. You bought eight. Well, I can yeah. see why there'd be a little tension there. Again, I could see why there I would brought be this up trying to be vulnerable. Eight pairs of sweatpants. I'll take four back once I decide what size I am. See, she should have known. When you go shopping for cats and you come back with a lot of cats, it's the same thing on how you shop. Listen, coming up on today's program, we're happy you're along for the ride home. Uh, we're going to talk about the death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg on Saturday evening and what that means for all of us as we look toward an election cycle. Will President Trump fill the slot? Will he not fill the slot? What's all the conversation around that going to be like other than ugly which is all I can imagine at this point. Selena Zito, author of The Great Revolt, is up next. She currently is in the on-deck circle, but we're glad you're along for the Monday edition of The Ride Home. Word FM, W-O-R-D. Abraham is regarded as the father of the faith. And this week on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie helps us learn from Abraham's successes and failures. It's important insight from the compelling new series called World Changers. So tune in each day for A New Beginning with Pastor Greg Laurie. A New Beginning with Greg Laurie, weekday mornings at 1030 on WORD. Worried about deductibles and copays, dental or vision? How about elective procedures? Marley Financial, they've got you covered. This is Kathy Emmons. Marley Financial is now offering a new health savings account that can be used for anything health-related, anything. Copays and deductibles, any prescription, even elective procedures. Marley's new turbocharged health savings account can set you free of high premiums and out-of-pocket expenses. There's even a company matching component that can provide two or even three to one benefits. And because it's a contribution, not a premium, your value stays with you for the rest of your life. 
And if you recently lost your job and your health benefits, Marley has programs to get you the coverage you need when you need it most. Call Marley Financial today, 724-884-1496, and ask about their new turbocharged health savings account. That's 724-884-1496, Marley Financial, the most innovative agency in the marketplace at MarleyFG.com. Okay, some good news during a challenging time for everybody, and this could really help. You may know hundreds of thousands of people have already made the switch to MediShare, which is the affordable alternative to health insurance. And with so many people looking at how they pay for health care right now, seeing premiums going up or the cost of COBRA plans, MediShare has extended their special offer, and a lot of people have taken advantage of it. Simply apply by September 30th, and they will waive your new member fee. That's $170 savings. And, of course, that's just a start. The typical family saves $500 a month after making the switch. MediShare is a Christian community that shares each other's health care costs, and it's worked beautifully for decades. I'll give you the number here in a second, and if you call, you can get a price within two minutes. Just tell them the promo code SHARE to get your additional savings. Here it is. Call 844-45-BIBLE. That's 844-45-BIBLE. 844-45-BIBLE. Join Pittsburgh Theological Seminary online each Wednesday in October at 7.30 p.m. for the combined McClure Lectures and World Mission Initiatives Month of Mission series titled Jesus Christ and the Dividing Wall, Race and God's Mission. You'll hear keynotes from the Rev. Dr. Brenda Salter-McNeil, the Rev. Jonathan Wilson-Hartgrove, and Dr. David Kant. The event is free to all who register. Learn more at pts.edu. Hey, this is Owen Strand with a quick word on the upcoming election. So much of what we care about is at stake. Religious liberty, all of our First Amendment freedoms, the cause of life and reliable judges, rule of law, even civil order. Make sure you're registered and prepared to vote, whether at the polling place or by absentee ballot. Our nation is at a crossroads, and every vote counts. Don't sit this election out. Use your power to cure and pedal with a purpose at Spin for Crohn's and Colitis Cures. Grab some friends to join you for this high-energy indoor cycling event benefiting the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation. Visit spin4.org to learn more. Not on my watch, our military service members say, as they volunteer to serve. Not on my watch, they say, as they leave their families behind to keep the rest of ours safe. As they move out, stand firm, and take fire. So not on our watch, we say, to the severely ill or injured veterans who can't get the care they deserve, the therapists they need to walk again, the treatment they need to talk again, the lifetime of day-to-day help they need to live full and independent lives. When there's no more government funding, or a nursing home seems like the only option, or everyone says... There's no hope for recovery. We won't leave one warrior behind. Not on our watch. Find out how you can do your part at findwwp.org. So yesterday, uh, of course, Sunday worship. You know, I'm just always curious about what's happening to us to you, to me, uh, how we choose to engage 
in our faith during these really odd times. Now, the good news is a lot of churches have opened up, uh, some to full, you know, full flourish, full capacity. Others, you know, limited number of people in worship at some time. A lot of us are still doing Zoom church, which, I, you know, to be honest, I'm very comfortable with. But, you know, Sunday notwithstanding, I'm also wondering, and Kathy, you as well, how do you, what, you know, what's your daily work like? You know, are you praying? Are you reading out of the Bible? Are you following along with a study group? Uh, is there something electronic that you're using? Are you listening to praise music? How do you engage right now? Mm-hmm. Right? A very strange time. Um, yeah, it's kind of a hard question. I Because I'm not the kind of person that is particularly good about doing the same thing every day. You know, I'm not that kind of other than, as I said, taking a shower, which I do every morning, first thing. That's really it. You know, the rest of my day kind of unfolds um, with, of course, us doing the show. You know, all my work is in the afternoon. So I would say that um, what I try to do is Bible before phone in the morning. And what's that look like? How long is Bible before phone? I mean, Um, you open it up and read? I'm reading first Corinthians right now. And I decided when I started reading it that I get too locked in to doing, you know, today I'm going to do two chapters or whatever. I decided I'm too locked into that because, you know, the chapters are arbitrary anyway, you know, somewhat, it's not like the number two is inspired, you know, it's a letter. So there's no reason I need to stop. So I just decided when I, when I work on first Corinthians this time, I'm just going to read until I feel like he's changing the subject. <clears throat> so that sometimes could be four chapters. Sometimes that could be half a chapter, you know, kind of whatever it is. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been doing that. I don't do a study group. Um, we, you and I do so much reading for the show that that takes up, you know, to be honest with you, most of my reading time for the day, mm-hmm. trying to see, you know, what's in the news. I'm on, you know, Twitter a lot, you know, uh, different websites, blogs, that sort of thing. But and just you- quiet time, just worship time, though. You are, you say you're not consistent, but you are, you are consistent in some way. Yeah, I do. yeah, I guess I am. Yeah, I just am not the kind. Of, I guess I compare myself. Like you know, my husband no. gets up and does the exact same thing every day. So before. does my wife. Right, and so uh, you know, I don't think about it like that. Right, as far right. as wor- as far as worship time, I have different things I hit on YouTube on a regular basis. Preachers. Nope. Music. Oh, really? Okay. Mm-hmm. Like I was in, a, I, I was in a Johnny Cash thing for a while, and so every single day I Johnny Cash, I do a music. Johnny Cash thing, right? Yeah, that's good. Or I do a you know Kanye West um, choir thing regularly, or you know whatever it is. Right. Well, uh, I have consistently done this thing, and I've told you about this. We've talked about this uh, for the last couple of years, which is generally for me: wake up, go downstairs, have some coffee. And then I'll do my my audio version of Pray As You Go, mm-hmm. which I got to be honest, I love. I mm-hmm. absolutely love everything about it. I mean, like from my, there's there's this flow to it that has a bell that, you know, mm-hmm. when I hear that, something changes inside of me. It's like I get hungry for what's about to happen. And it's really, you know, it's sweet. I mean, the, the bare bones piece of it is 13 to 15 minutes long. And then, of course, um, oftentimes or not, you know, there's something about the, a, a verse or a question that's been, and then I'll sort of dig down into that. So maybe uh, a half an hour or so that, mm-hmm. but I do really appreciate, you know, an audio thing. It's somehow, 
because you know because we do i spend the majority of my day reading i'm always happy to listen to something instead first thing which made me when i saw this um the book of common prayer mm-hmm. have you have you ever you know yes. followed along yeah yes so the book of common prayer has now arrived on alexa what does that mean that it's arrived on alexa well do you use alexa at all do you have no. a Oh, you don't. Okay. No, so we, you know why? Because I don't want the tech companies to take over my personal world, John. Well, it's, that's too late for that. You've already surrendered to that a long time ago. Kat. Listen, Mike, how it he is. says I've surrendered. You have. You, whether you unwittingly know it or not, it's wait, the fact of the matter is, wait, wait, no, everybody knows everything. Mike, do you have Alexa? I don't. No. John, do you have Alexa? I do. Okay. I have it on my phone and I have it, as a matter of fact, in my living room. What? It's connected to my stereo. What? Yeah. I'll say Alexa. That creeps me out. No, it's fine. Alexa, play Duke Ellington. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I'll hear you know I'll hear the Duke over my speakers. Yeah, but you could you could go play Duke Ellington. You don't need I, Alexa. I can from my phone, but you know I, I just now I say it. Wow. Well, okay. I, look, right, I so get the idea of. Okay, you know, so what's Alexa going to do with the Book of Common Prayer? Okay, so the Book of Common Prayer now on Alexa. So Alexa allows you to have what they call skills. You know, certain things that Alexa can do for you, right? Mm. Okay. Um, you know, uh, and so already, oh, already, it sounds like the Terminator. No. So one of the yeah. new skills is the voice-driven app called the Cambridge Prayer Book. The idea is to help people pray and worship at home during the pandemic. So okay. users can now say, "Alexa, say the morning prayer," and you'll hear from the Book of Common Prayer the morning prayer. Right, the and, it, and that changes as okay. Will that be Alexa saying the morning prayer? Or no, it'll it be, be Alexa going into the Book of Common Prayer. Oh, okay, and so saying, it'll be an actual person saying it because I yes. don't want to hear Alexa say something from the Cambridge. No, wait a second. To be honest, I've not, I've not done this yet, uh, so okay. I don't know if Ale- I would imagine. <laughs> no, I would imagine it's kind of like my Pray as You Go app, which is you know outside the portal. Right. Okay. Right? Do you so do you go to your pray as no. you go app through Alexa? No. Okay. No. But the Book of Common Prayer, which I love, mm-hmm. 1662. So you can say, Alexa, uh, tell me about the history of the 1662 Book of Common Prayer. Or Alexa, I'd like to know more about Thomas Crammer. Or um, Alexa, tell me more about uh, Cambridge Bibles. Or Alexa, you know... Uh, Whatever the, the whatever the psalm is, the verse is, Alexa, once that skill's opened, will do that for you. Now, I see you're, you're, you're really sort of skeptical about this. I don't find it skeptical. I just find it as an aid, mm-hmm. you know, a short little throw. It gives me five minutes that I wouldn't necessarily have. Right. She could, you think like... I don't want Alexa. I don't don't like her. I'm telling you that ship has long since sailed. Everybody knows everything about you. I don't. I don't think everyone knows everything about me. And if pretty they, much, if, if they're if they're marching in that direction, I don't want to complete their pretty order. Much. I mean, seriously, unless you're even the Amish, they know everything about the Amish. The Amish, the Amish they know, know everything. Right? They know everything about the Amish. They right? do. Get Probably out of here. They do. They know everything. Get it's out too of here. late. It's I can't. Listen, I read a really fascinating thing today about uh, this was Rod Dreher, um, that we are headed towards a point system in many ways. Now in China, this is, can I, let me find this because this in some way is, you know, coupled with where we are right now. Hold on. Can, can you hold on yes. with me for a second? Mm-hmm. Can you just vamp? For okay. One so minute? for those of you following along at home, 
in our stream of consciousness conversation. Uh, Rod Dreher is a, is a friend of ours. He is the uh, mm-hmm. the mind behind the American Conservative, which is a website you can go to and see uh, Rod's very excellent writing. He's the author of The Benedict Option and um, The Little Way of Ruthie Lemming. Yes. And how, I'm just doing this off the top of my head. Dante. Uh, Dante how Dante book. Can Save Your Life, right, which, yeah. I, which I totally loved. Okay. And, um, okay, okay, so there's the background of what's Rod saying now. Okay. So he's got a new he's, book. He's a firecracker. He's got a new book coming out. Yes. And uh, it's called uh, From Live Not by Lies. No, Live Not by Lies. I'm sorry, Live by Okay. Um, something he's talking about called soft totalitarianism. Totalitarianism. Yes. Yeah. We'll rely on a social credit system like the ones the Chinese use to control the masses and to compel conformity without having to use hard methods. Mm-hmm. Beijing's use of consumer data, biometric information, GPS tracking coordinates, facial recognition, DNA, and other forms of data harvesting has turned, and countries to turn, China into a beast never before seen worldwide, not even under Mao or Stalin. In China, the tools of surveillance capitalism are employed by the surveillance state to administer the so-called social credit system, which determines who is allowed to buy, mm-hmm. sell, and travel right. based upon their social behavior. Right. That's already in place. And Rod's saying the Chinese are basically perfecting this. Soon and very soon, it will be here. Right. Well, you're just bringing it here faster by having Alexa. I've already surrendered to that, basically. <laughs> you cannot surrender to it. I have. I'm yeah, getting, you but, must but, fight it. You cannot surrender. But the thing I'm surrendering to is, Alexa, give me my prayers. But that's how they get you in. They get you in the door by saying, oh, I'll make it easier for you to do this while they can pay attention and spy on every other thing you're doing in your whole life. They know what you like now. They know. They, of course they do. That's what I'm saying. So I love Pray As You Go. Again, mm-hmm. let me recommend this. Yeah. Okay. Look on your app store, Pray As You Go. It's fascinating to me. It's a daily encouragement to me. Mm-hmm. Okay. If they know, they know, Kath. What are they going to do? What? Okay. They're going to come for me now. It, well, At least I'll be praying on the listen, way out the door. All I'm saying is Rod's talking about what's going on in China. Yeah. It's not like it's a far leap to say that I've already allowed Alexa in my house. So come and tell me how much social capital I've garnered. Well, they see me. I'm not going to make trouble. I'm just trying to pray. Good grief. All right. We're going to take a break. Sorry, we weren't able to con- to connect with the Selena Zito today. We'll try to Oop. do that. Uh, yeah, I don't know where she is. Uh, we'll try to do that for tomorrow. But uh, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we'll talk next about Ellen DeGeneres. Um, a lot of accusations have been flying around the Internet over the last three to six months. And she finally came out and apologized. We'll tell you more what she said next. Fifth Season Financial is a licensed lender, not available in all states. Visit fifthseasonfinancial.com for details. Linda was suffering from stage four lung cancer. I was dealing with the treatment, but we were running out of options. The mounting financial pressure made things far worse. I couldn't work anymore, and we were afraid we might lose the house we've owned for over 20 years. Linda owned a life insurance policy and contacted Fifth Season Financial about its funds for living program. Linda went through the no-cost application process and was quickly offered an advance from Fifth Season Financial. Linda and hundreds of other people suffering from an advanced stage illness who own a life insurance policy have received financial help from Fifth Season Financial's Funds for Living program. Text LOVE to 411411. Fifth Season helped us with more than money. 
They gave me my life back. Fifth Season Financial Cares, and we're there for you and the ones you love. If you need financial help, have an advanced stage illness and a life insurance policy, text LOVE to 411411 for information on how to get funded quickly. Text LOVE to 411411. Let's say you've decided to build a bicycle from scratch. Sounds like an impossible project for my skills, but let's say you've got the skills and you're building this bike, and I offer you an advantage. A special tool that would help you build the bike faster while saving you legitimate money. My guess is you'd say, bring it on. If you wouldn't, well, then this commercial isn't going to make much sense. My name is Ryan. I'm from United Faith Mortgage, and we believe we have an advantageous tool for you. Our mortgage team is lucky to have a direct lender advantage. Our company is set up to use its own money and make its own lending decisions within its own walls. There's no middleman. And often, this advantage allows us to get your refinance or new home loan done faster and get you a better rate, which saves you monthly and lifelong money. Rates are historically low. Now is the time to see how our special tool might work for you. We are United Faith Mortgage. United Mortgage Court, Melville, New York. MLS number 1330. Department of Banking. Mortgage Lender License number 22672. Spending more time inside? J&D Waterproofing can help you breathe a little easier. Protect your family, friends, and pets from mold, dampness, and other unhealthy elements. For over 80 years, J&D has been making Pittsburgh basements very dry and improving indoor air quality with solutions like the Easy Breathe System. Eliminate unhealthy mold and allergy-causing moisture without filters or reservoirs while using less energy than a 40-watt light bulb. Call 1-800-VERY-DRY or visit jdwaterproofing.com. Welcome back to Customize and Save with Liberty Mutual Insurance Company, the game show where you only pay for what you need. And we're out of time. Only pay for what you need at LibertyMutual.com. Liberty, 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 Liberty. We are everywhere. On your radio at 101.5 WORD-FM Pittsburgh at WordFM.com, the WordFM mobile app, iHeart, TuneIn, and at Radio.com. Tonight will be clear and cool with temperatures approaching the record low of 37. Last reached in 1999, we'll see a low of 39. Tomorrow, hazy sunshine. Tomorrow's high, 69. Tomorrow night, clear skies with a low of 48. Wednesday will be mostly sunny and nice. Expect a high Wednesday of 76. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. This is not like proper broadcasting, but whenever I hear the weatherman, I think his name's Drew Shannon. Is that Paul Shannon's son? Maybe it's Paul Shannon's grandson. Or- don't you love? Don't you love the fact that our punter, our new punter for uh, the Steelers, is Craig Colquitt's son? No, I didn't know that. Yeah, oh, I love that. Former Steeler Craig Colquitt. I love it more if it was Mister Rogers' son. No, look, I can't make everybody <laughs> happy here. Just saying. Okay, hey, listen. Um, are you a fan of the Ellen Show? Have you watched it? No. I've seen clips on YouTube. I've never sat down to watch the show. Uh, I think I've, I'm have i in the same boat. I mean, Although I think I, it's on when we're on the air, right? Okay. I don't know. I, don't so know. I think it is. Well, of course, Ellen is much beloved. Is she not? Sure. Right? Much beloved. And she seems like a fun time, right? She seems like a fun person. She certainly makes kindness apparent from what I've seen on YouTube. I love that, A big right? part of her program. And that's a very good thing. However, However, she had a really tough summer. She had a really tough summer because there were accusations that um, the, the on- 
on set dynamic of the Ellen show was less than optimal. Um, Anything but kind. Yeah. There was a lot of anger. There's a lot of, you know, whatever, just imagine. Right. Okay. So then uh, Ellen starts her 18th season today, as a matter of fact, now, I, you know, I didn't know this. I didn't know that they're like, when you like think of Johnny Carson, I don't think of Johnny Carson having a season, right? No, it's just on all the time. Right. So when Ellen says that, you know, today she's starting her 18th, I didn't know she was off. Of course, we're not following along. So I guess she took the summer off and starts a new season in the fall, like, you know, a lot of TV shows. So today, as she started her 18th season, she went on stage for the first time in months. And she, um, even though there was not a studio audience, there was a video Zoom audience. And she addressed the allegations about the toxic work atmosphere. She says, quote, we've had a lot of conversations over the last few weeks about the show our workplace and what we want for the future. We have made the necessary changes and today we are starting a new chapter. Uh, She also addressed the allegations that the off camera Ellen is different than her sunny on air persona. She said, quote, the truth is I am that person you see on TV. So she said um, she learned about several producers were fired from the show over Mm. the uh, summertime and um, whatever the allegations were against her, She's made steps not to do that again. All right, fine. Well, I mean, that's good for her. I'll tell you one thing I don't buy. Mm. Her on her on air persona is not the same as her real person. Because I, any, I don't know that. How do you yeah, know that? Of course, because any of us who do this, it's we have a professional self and we have a real self. Yeah, but you know what I mean? She, I, I would think this. What I think what she's saying is Ellen at her best when she's home alone with whomever and she's goofing around in the living room. That's the Ellen. That's the best Ellen that you'll see on the show. Yeah, but that's not really what she said. You don't think what she said is I'm the same person that I am. There's no none of no one who has a performance job, whatever that is, is the same person when they're performing is when they're at home. Wait a second. Are you telling me you're different off the air? Yes, you I am. I'm sorry. Did I burst your bubble this moment? Are you all cranky? Yeah, I'm not cranky. I'm just saying that that's just that that's a prosaic view of of performance. I mean, she's performing. She's doing a job. She does an excellent job, apparently. And but it's not the same as what she's like in her kitchen. There's no way. Maybe I should do like, you know, me, like just the whole section whining, whining and complaining. It was just a whole segment. Wouldn't that be horrible radio? saying she's a horrible person i'm, I'm not saying she is either the same person right. what do you think mike i mean we're not the same I mean, I mean we're not the same people on the air as we are off the air right wait no that's I'm sorry. not true I, I disagree i think you are I, really I think, I think you're the same i really Pretty much i think you're really? the only thing you guys talk a little bit faster when you're on air you know I, oh do we why because yeah. we got to get to a break people right it's radio true. we only have like two hours here no no they're, they're, i mean you know you have we have dark edges like anyone. So she should say, I have dark edges like anyone else. I guess. I mean, I, that's think, just... that would, I think that would have been a more honest statement than the one she gave. I mean, you know, she's a daytime talk show host. I mean, you know, the world doesn't hinge on Ellen, does it not? Well, but it hinges enough that we're, you know, we've taken a segment out of our show to talk about. It. She's a huge star. She is a huge star.
I hope. Anyway. I'll tell you, the thing that made me like Ellen is how she stood up for her for sitting next to George W. Bush at the Monday Night Football. Oh, game. I know. That was so stupid. That, that, that criticism was so unbelievably stupid. Because how dare she? Get over how it. dare she be kind to somebody that, you know, she has different political yeah, opinions. Get from. out of here. Good grief. That That's was real. It. Anyway, so I, I very much appreciated how she stood up for her. Yes. Okay, let's take a break. Thomas Kidd is with us. We're going to talk about politics in a little bit. You know, uh, evangelicals. <laughs> Evangelicals have not always been on the same road what? in the political path. Wow. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. Shock. Also, we're going to talk about RBG as well. Stick around. It's the ride home with John and Kathy. I'm the same. As oh, I go in the break, I'm going to be like oh, the like, same person. Believe probably. me, John has a dark side. A little bit more miserable off, off, off the air. <laughs> a little. <laughs> WORD. You could win a Bible prophecy tour to Israel next March with Pathway to Victory's Dr. Robert Jeffress just by logging on to our station website and using the keyword Israel. There's nothing quite like standing on top of Mount Carmel where Elijah did battle with the prophets of Baal or looking out over the plain of Megiddo where the final world battle will take place. Enter now to win and discover ways to get bonus entries. Register today at wordfm.com slash Israel. Seasons of change and uncertainty can be difficult, even scary, but they don't have to control or define you. The counselors of the Grace Wellness Center would consider it a privilege to come alongside and help you replace the fear and frustration with freedom and peace. While office visits are still available throughout the area, Grace Wellness Center also offers online and phone appointments to make counseling convenient and available on your terms, accepting all major insurances at thegracewellnesscenter.com. Hi, my name is Ryan Bourne. And I'm Danica Bourne. And, and we're, we're the, the owners, owners of South Coast, Coast Tax. Tax. We would like to thank our Lord for protecting us from evil. Psalm 91 states, He is my refuge and my fortress, for He will rescue us from every trap and protect us from deadly disease. South Coast Tax are Christian-based tax accountants and attorneys who specialize in releasing bank levies, wage garnishments, and filing complex tax returns. We are the leaders in acceptance of offers and compromise with awesome results. We are also a small firm who will treat you like family and not just a number. Call us today at 1-800-TAX-1176 for a free consultation, and we'll take the time to explain all the programs that you qualify for in order to allow you a fresh start. In John 836, so if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed, and one way we can achieve that is by being debt-free. So let us help you today. Call us at 1-800-TAX-1176, and together we can help achieve this goal by putting the IRS tax debt behind you for good. Again, that number is 1-800-TAX-1176. First Presbyterian. Presbyterian Church is a beacon of light and love to this community. The message that I hear sustains me for the whole week. I love this church because of the diversity and the music and the people. The incredible beauty of the space. A warm, welcoming congregation. The people are amazing and truly love one another and Christ, and our pastor preaches the gospel. I want everybody in Pittsburgh to come and experience. First Presbyterian Church of Pittsburgh, in the heart of the city, with the city in its heart. Hi, I'm John Henney from Henney Jewelers. Since 1887, my family has helped people celebrate the most memorable moments in their lives. We are rooted in faith and commit to doing the right thing again and again. We believe in the covenant of marriage and use our to have and to hold program to encourage couples as they prepare to spend the rest of their lives together. Please stop into our Shadyside store to learn more or visit HennyJewelers.com. Henny Jewelers, your jewelers for life. Still 
funny, you know, when you're reading the newspaper or looking online, uh, the internet or a blog, and they go, well, the evangelical bloating, uh, voting block, evangelicals are going to vote this way. And you think, well, wait a second, nobody nobody cued me in on this. Uh, I didn't know, realize that there was this blanket thing when we all got together at church on Sunday, we were all supposed to check bl- this box. Well, Dr. Thomas Kidd is with us. Uh, Dr. Kidd's been with us many times in the past. Uh, he... Uh, He's written a piece that's really fascinating to us about traditional Christians, and we've never been unified. Thomas, welcome back to the show. How are you? Doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this is a, an excellent perspective, Thomas, because it turns out that Christians have almost never been politically unified. <laughs> yeah. Well, surprise, I think surprise. Of, yeah, no. Uh, I think part of the problem uh, that, that John said before is that a lot of times when you see coverage of evangelical voting, you're just talking about white people. I mean, in, in fact, the polls are, are designed that way, that you ask about a person's ethnicity first, and then they get asked the evangelical question. But if they say anything other than white, uh, they don't get asked if they're an evangelical. Um, and there, there are a variety of reasons why that's the case. But if you think about traditional uh, Protestants who are not white, you know, a lot of times they, they vote for Democrats. And, um, and so unless we just want to keep the discussion uh, about whites today, uh, you know, we're, we're not po- politically unified today and we haven't been in the past. Really? Okay, so can you go back, Thomas, because you're a professor of history, you know your history well, especially regarding the early days of American faith. Go back to the very beginning. I mean, what, in the founding fathers, you know, founded on a Christian nation, right? So they were all in lockstep, but you're saying no. No, I mean, uh, the, the first time you really start having contested elections or the, the uh, elections between John Adams and Thomas Jefferson in 1796 and 1800, and uh, there the, the voting patterns tended to be overwhelmingly regional. Uh, Northerners tended to support Adams, Southerners tended to support Jefferson. Um, and And evangelicals were divided. I mean, it's kind of surprising that a lot of Evangelicals in the South supported Jefferson, even though Jefferson was reputed by some people to be an atheist, which right. he was not. A, he was not an atheist, but but that was in the media. Uh, but they they thought, well, you know, he believes in religious liberty, so especially a lot of Baptists who loved religious liberty would support Jefferson, even though they knew he was not a traditional Christian. Hmm. Okay, so that's interesting. So they, so the Southerners were go. They they weren't voting for the candidate because he was a Christian, even though the voters were Christians. They were saying, no, 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 we're going to vote on a principle like religious liberty. Right. I mean, I, there, there were some Northern Christians who tried that line. I mean, they they would say, well, you know, Jefferson's not even a Christian. At least John Adams is a Christian. Uh, which he was kind of a Unitarian, but anyway, I, and and but a lot of Southerners, especially Baptists, said I would rather have somebody who is on record supporting religious liberty, and I, in a way, I don't really care that much about what their personal beliefs are. So they voted for Jefferson. So Thomas, when was there ever a time in American history where religious conservatives were unified? Uh, I think the closest that you get is to a, a party that's almost completely forgotten, which is the Whig Party in the 1830s wow. and 1840s. Yeah, I mean, and the reason for that 
is that that's one of the only times when uh, white Christians and black Christians, and of course, until the 1960s, a lot of times African Americans couldn't vote at all. Um, but but there, it looks like that because the Whig Party was more reliably anti-slavery, uh, that white and black Christians, especially in the North, tended to support them. But a lot of white Christians in the South could still support the Whig Party because Whigs in the South also tended to be pro-slavery. It was complicated. But as far as I can tell, that's that's the closest we've ever been to having most devout Christians support one political party. And that was a long time ago. Yeah, that was was. a long time ago. And that was a flash in the pan as far as length of time. But what you said is interesting. You said it was complicated. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, the main reason is because you could be a Whig and be both pro-slavery or anti-slavery, depending on what region of the country you lived in. So, you know, white Christians in the South were going to vote for the Whigs uh, you know, because because they could do that and still have a pro-slavery option. I see. Dr. Thomas Kidd's with us, Vardaman Distinguished Professor of History at Baylor University, author of, among others, Who is an Evangelical? A History of a Movement in Crisis. Talk to us, if you would, Thomas, about what things were like voting-wise um, after the Civil War. Right. So, so after the Civil War, you have about 15 or 20 years where there was some African-American voting in the South, uh, but that got closed down by the 1870s and, and 80s. And so for about 100 years in the South, uh, only white people are voting, and they're almost all voting for Democrats. Um, and, and, and so evangelicals in the South until the 1960s uh, were uh, approaching 100 percent Democratic, um, which, which obviously is a lot different from what it is today in the, in the South and among evangelicals. Um, but, uh, you know, a big difference is that African-Americans in the South got you know almost totally shut out from voting by the 1880s. And so, uh, so they were it, it, they were able to vote between the end of the Civil War and 1880. Yeah, about 1880. But then, you know, the, with the help of groups like the Ku Klux Klan, they they uh, ran African Americans out from being able to vote. And so, you know, when you're talking about the evangelical vote in the South uh, from you know 1880 to 1960, you're pretty much just talking about democrats i mean that it was it was the time of the solid okay so, so you're talking about um you're talking about white people who are voting democrat you're talking about black southerners who are voting republican right while while they could vote the the black uh, vote uh, nationally but including in the south uh, was overwhelmingly republican because the republican party was the party of lincoln and emancipation Let's see so then after LBJ and the rise of the civil rights movement, of course, things changed, did they not? Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of white Southerners in the 1960s start uh, going from the Democratic Party to the Republican Party, um, and that included evangelicals. But I think, you know, the, the broader trend is just whites in general in the South started moving towards the Republican Party. Now, in 1976, I mean, that's a really critical turning point election or or pivot election because you get Jimmy Carter, a Georgia Democrat, and an evangelical um, running for president. And that was kind of the last time 
that a lot of white Southerners, including white evangelicals, vote for the Democrats uh, in in the South. Um, but but as you know, we tend to know, in 1980, Reagan secures uh, the white South for the Republican Party, and it stayed that way for the you know for the last 50 years. Right. Okay. So then, Thomas. Then, then modern day, when we you know do read in the newspaper or on the web or whatnot about the evangelical voting block, I mean, more often than not, the large majority of evangelicals. I don't know if it's you know what. Do you know what the percentage are? Seventy, eighty percent of evangelicals tend to vote together. <laughs> right. So uh, you know, as we said at the beginning, that's talking about white people uh, who identify as evangelicals to pollsters. A lot of times, we don't know why they identify as evangelicals. But but you know, the question is, what's your ethnicity? And then if you say white, you get asked if you're an evangelical. So of that of those people, classically in in 2016, it was 81 percent of those self-identified white evangelical voters voted for uh, Donald Trump. Interesting. So what does that mean then? I mean, is it is that is there truth in those numbers, or are we just you know people being lumped in? to this group and you know there's a large percentage of people I'm not well there's still a lot of people millions of people who identify as evangelicals but are not voting along party lines well I, there is something important about that number i mean it it certainly tells you that the overwhelming majority of self-identified white evangelical voters vote, voted for Donald Trump or voted for the Republican party i mean that's that's a reliable uh, number, but there are also many, many, uh, say, African Americans and Hispanics who don't get asked the question about evangelical voting patterns. Um, and we know that that very large numbers, for instance, of African Americans will at least identify as born again. They hear more political implications in the word evangelical, I think, so they tend not to identify as as evangelical, but, uh, you know, they certainly fit into the traditional Protestant camp, right. you know, African-American Baptists and Methodists and so forth, and they're overwhelmingly democratic. Um, so that's important information, too. Yes, it is. And may- maybe for me, it's just a matter of semantics, and maybe for you as well, because, you know, when I hear that, you know, Paula White, you know, who is the president's, <laughs> um, you know, personal, you know, uh, spiritual advisor is an evangelical, I go, well, that's not that's not what I define as evangelicalism. Right. And and uh, I mean, there's a apparently a rally in Michigan uh, this week with Paula White headlining, you know, evangelicals for Trump. But of course, you can't you couldn't find any, you know, evangelical seminary professor who affirms Paula White's theology. Uh, right. So, so I mean, what you you see just in an example like that, how politicized the term evangelical has become. Right. Right. And that's the problem because it has. It's. I think it's a political force, at least for the mainstream press, than anything else. Yeah, and and I mean, in some ways, I can't blame them. I mean, they they you know they thrive on political controversy in the mainstream press. But it's only since 1976 that, you know, white people started getting asked the question, are you an evangelical? And almost always, they're not asked, are you an evangelical, to understand their theology or church practice. It's to understand their political behavior. 
Thomas, I got to stop you. It's Dr. Thomas Kidd, Vardaman Distinguished Professor of History of Baylor University. Hey, I saw over the weekend um, that there is a Kindle sale of one of his books called God of Liberty, A Religious History of the American Revolution by Thomas Kidd, which I highly recommend. Mm-hmm. Thomas, thanks for being with Always us Always a today. pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you. When does a person get rights? When a person is a person. All across our nation, our nation is divided. In our homes, in social media, everywhere you turn. But what is at the heart of this division? In the new movie, Divided Hearts of America, Super Bowl champion and executive producer Benjamin Watson searches for the truth. This is one of the worst possible choices that any woman and her family has to make. You'll discover why the most polarizing debate of this century boils down to the sacred dignity of human life. There is no personhood under law for fetuses. We don't have that in this country. With Divided Hearts of America, you'll learn what you need to be armed to fight what divides us and come to a place of real unity with empathy, healing, and real hope. Be part of the change and watch Divided Hearts of America. Go to SalemNow.com to purchase. Use promo code ERIC for 20% off. SalemNow.com, promo code ERIC. Okay, some good news during a challenging time for everybody, and this could really help. You may know hundreds of thousands of people have already made the switch to MediShare, which is the affordable alternative to health insurance. And with so many people looking at how they pay for health care right now, seeing premiums going up or the cost of COBRA plans, MediShare has extended their special offer, and a lot of people have taken advantage of it. Simply apply by September 30th, and they will waive your new member fee. That's $170 savings. And, of course, that's just a start. The typical family saves $500 a month after making the switch. MediShare is a Christian community that shares each other's health care costs, and it's worked beautifully for decades. I'll give you the number here in a second, and if you call, you can get a price within two minutes. Just tell them the promo code SHARE to get your additional savings. Here it is. Call 844-45-BIBLE. That's 844-45-BIBLE. 844-45-BIBLE. This is Jerry Boyer. This radio station has been telling you for months that November's election could vastly change our country's future. If you believe in liberty, supported by a strong economy, and religious freedom, your values are on the line. Please register and prepare to vote at your polling place or by absentee. This election is huge. We are at a crossroads. We all should vote. And keep listening to this station for what this election means. Join Pittsburgh Theological Seminary online each Wednesday in October at 7.30 p.m. for the combined McClure Lectures and World Mission Initiatives Month of Mission series titled Jesus Christ and the Dividing Wall, Race and God's Mission. You'll hear keynotes from the Rev. Dr. Brenda Salter-McNeil, the Rev. Jonathan Wilson-Hartgrove, and Dr. David Kant. The event is free to all who register. Learn more at pts.edu. Okay, so last night were the Emmy Awards. I forgot all about it. I could have cared less about the Emmys. Did you watch, Kath? Well, no, I didn't, and hardly anyone else did, because viewership sunk to an all-time low. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. I mean... It's an award show during a pandemic. There's no studio audience, right? So there's right. no crazy behavior. Even in the best of times, I'm hard-pressed to watch the Emmys. Yeah. 
I agree. Who were the big winners? Okay, big winners. Uh, Schitt's Creek. What? Uh, Schitt's Creek was the uh, best comedy, and also all sorts of people won. Um, there were, f- I think, four <laughs> acting. Well, you listen to both of you. Such all children. sorts of people won. Such I mean, children. I'm trying to get the information out. You're just sitting there laughing like you're in eighth grade. What's going on. Anyway, Eugene Levy won uh, Best Actor. And I think there were three or four other people from the program who also won. Um, HBO Succession was a big winner, which I've never seen. I don't have HBO. Um, Watchmen. What's that about? I have no idea. That was on HBO? uh, It doesn't say, actually. I'm reading from uh, the New York Post. Um, Yeah, so it seems like if you're not watching um, Schitt's Creek, you should be. And I haven't watched it yet, so I feel kind of badly. But The Good Place didn't win anything, which I was sad about. I'm surprised by that. That's my Well, you might carry on about that. I know. I I know. There were a lot of nominations, but no The Citizen Kane of television is for all I know. What about about that show with Jennifer Aniston about the uh, morning news show? I don't know. That one, too. How How did Ellen do? She wasn't nominated. 101.5 101.5 WORDFM Pittsburgh on your smart speaker by saying play the word Pittsburgh and on your phone via the Word FM mobile app iHeart tune in and at radio.com With SRN News, I'm John Scott. President Trump says he expects to quickly announce his pick for the Supreme Court on Friday or Saturday. The president told Fox and Friends he has a list of finalists and he wants his choice confirmed before election day. The Justice Department has identified New York City, Portland, Oregon, and Seattle as three cities that could have federal funding slashed under a memorandum by the president that sought to identify localities that permit anarchy, violence, and destruction in American cities. Florida's Governor Ron DeSantis says the state is going to get tough on people who turn violent during protest. His proposed legislative package would also strip municipalities of state money that's if they defund law enforcement. Walks, stocks falling sharply on Wall Street today. The Dow dropped 509 points. The Nasdaq was down 14. This is SRN News. If you've fallen behind in your credit card payments during the shutdown, you're probably feeling some added pressures. And even a brief history of late payments can lead to a big drop in your credit score. But you don't have to solve these problems alone. Trinity Debt Management can help. We'll work with your creditors, put a stop to late fees and other penalties, and make a plan that helps you get caught up. We'll also consolidate your bills into one easy-to-manage monthly payment and negotiate much lower interest rates. Not only will you find immediate relief, you'll save thousands. And don't worry, it's not a loan. It's a smart way to get back on track. All you have to do is give Trinity a quick call, and we'll take care of the rest. Right now, no one really knows what the future will bring. But one thing is for sure. If your debt has you down, we should talk. Here's the number. Call one 800-936-5496. That's 1-800-936-5496. Tonight, the U.N. is warning that the pandemic is putting the world at risk of widespread famines of biblical proportions. Even as we here in the U.S. continue to struggle with the coronavirus, in poor countries like Haiti and Guatemala, COVID-19 is also creating a food crisis, which is leading to starvation. Angel Loma is with Food for the Poor. Almost every single one of our partners said that food is the greatest need right now. But the church is rising to meet this need. 
the thought of any child going without food just breaks my heart. You know, God has blessed us all beyond what we can imagine. we got to do what we can to help especially kids that don't have anything to eat. Join 101.5 Word FM and Food for the Poor in rescuing children. Just $37 provides six months of life-saving food for one child. How many children can you save? From your cell phone, dial pound 250 and say the keyword hope. Dial pound 250 from your cell and say hope. Or click the red emergency food banner at wordfm.com. Excuse me, have you ever discussed life insurance? Well... Sort of. Have you talked about who'll pay the mortgage if one of you passes? We definitely haven't talked about that. Well, then you should talk to SelectQuote. SelectQuote shops for you, getting you quotes from some of the country's most trusted companies. Finding you the right coverage with the right carrier at the right price in minutes. Is it affordable? Well, how affordable does $500,000 in coverage for as little as a dollar a day sound? That's great. We can afford that. To get your free quote, call 1-800-212-1166. Or go to selectquote.com today and get the protection they need at a price you can afford. That's 1-800-212-1166 or selectquote.com. Select quote. We shop. You save. Get full details on example policy at selectquote.com slash commercials. Monthly premiums vary based on health company and other factors. Not available in all states. Tonight will be clear and cool with temperatures approaching the record low of 37. Last reached in 1999, we'll see a low of 39. Tomorrow, hazy sunshine. Tomorrow's high, 69. Tomorrow night, clear skies with a low of 48. Wednesday will be mostly sunny and nice. Expect a high Wednesday of 76. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. When we were kids, like the like the highlight oftentimes of, you know, the immediate future was all of us getting into our parents' car and driving out to the airport. Sometimes we'd sit on a hill and look at the flights, you know, come and go. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, if we were fortunate, we'd actually go inside the I airport. Know. I mean, we weren't going anywhere. We were just like ogling everybody else who was. And I, I love that so much. It felt so grown up to me, sort of so otherworldly. I can't believe people were actually going to get on a plane and fly somewhere that was mysterious and exciting. Well, now the pandemic, few people are really traveling much at all. Now, listen to this. In Australia, Qantas Airlines, you know, Qantas is the airline of Australia. They are offering that experience the experience of going to the airport and you actually get on a plane and fly around for about seven hours and then come back to the airport of which you just left. Wait a minute. You're paying a fee to just fly on an airplane and yep. not go anywhere. Yep. No, you're going someplace, but you're coming back to the, you never landing. Wait, so, but you're not, well, you're, so what do you mean you're going someplace? You're just well, flying around in the air. Yeah. People miss so, being on an airplane that much. Seven-hour flights that Qantas has. They depart Sydney October 10th, return on the same day. No stops along the way to comply with restrictions on interstate travel. 
Passengers have been promised views of the Great Barrier Reef, the Olu Monolith, the Australian mm-hmm. Outback, and the okay. plane will fly over the country at low altitudes. Okay. It's like getting on the Gateway Clipper. Okay. Okay. So you're you're kind of sightseeing. Exactly. Okay. 134 seats on the plane are available. They range in price from $787 to $3,787. You're going to pay $3,000? Almost four go, grand. To go on a seven-hour flight mm-hmm. where you end up where you started? Yep, exactly. That I'm sorry. You have to have a heck of a lot of disposable income to even think about something like that. Listen. Look, I really, really miss traveling, but I don't miss being on the airplane. Juana said the flights uh, sold out in 10 minutes. Do you miss being on an airplane? No, of course no not. No way, please. If I, yeah, no, that's the worst part of traveling by far. Okay, what if you could go somewhere right now? Where would you go? Paris. Wow. In you a that quickly because okay. I've been watching the Tour de France, mm-hmm. and yesterday they finished in Paris, and there were these beautiful overhead shots of the city, and of course the bikers driving through, you know, the city itself. I'd love to go there right now. Take me there. Mm. Boom, that'd be fabulous, wouldn't it? Mm. Yes. Where you want to go? Uh, right now? Yeah. Marburg, Germany. Marburg, Germany. That's very specific. It's a little teeny tiny university town in Germany really? I was in last summer. I was just thinking about it this morning and really? I thought, I just love that place. Yeah. Marburg, Germany. Mm-hmm. Mike, where are you going to go? Don't say Millville. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, it's a toss up between Jerusalem oh. and mm-hmm. Ireland. Oh. Oh, yeah. Okay. The, two very fine locations. I've heard I've heard uh, my my grandmother who passed years ago um went there probably at least 12 times. What? And to, she, to to Jerusalem. Yeah. No, okay. no, no, to I'm oh, sorry, to Ireland. To, to Ireland. Um okay. uh she's really toughy. really big on her on the Irish heritage and uh she would document each trip. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, the stories that she told were just, oh, my gosh. I, I, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd love to visit Ireland in a heartbeat, I'd nice. go. Okay, mm-hmm. well, look, so we're not going to get on a plane to go anywhere. Okay. How about this? Does anybody need a car? You need looking, you know, anybody we know looking for a car? Because we've talked about this in the past, but this is a new twist, of course, because it's Corona. The Allegheny County Airport Authority will auction off abandoned vehicles from the Pittsburgh International Airport. Uh, they usually do this, you know, live but they're going to do it September 24th at six o'clock over the web, 20 abandoned vehicles that will hit the auction block, including what, including a 2018 Chevy Camaro, a 2016 Cadillac Escalade. There'll also be airport equipment like scissor lifts and a champion 740 a road grader. You got to register online. And you bid on these things, buy these things, you know, basically you're not going to kick the tires or look under the hood, but you can get some good deals. Listen, who is leaving their car? Who is abandoning their car at the airport? I don't know. See, that would scare me if if, if I bought one and the original owner was like trying to track me down. No, they did it. (laughs) Believe me, the work's already been done by the county. So these, they've just been, they've been given away basically. The owners have not been able to be in touch for a certain amount of time. And if they've been contacted, they go, I'm not interested. I don't so know. It's a done deal. If that okay, who, to me, though, seriously. I'd track it down. Okay. So, that, down. so why are you leaving your car at the airport? Okay. Know. One, you were on a plane that crashed. Yep. Okay. 
Well, fortunately, there have not been no, no, many no. plane crashes. Okay. Right. The second one is there's something illegal in the car that you are trying to separate yourself from. I would think that the, they have already gotten into the car. Don't you think? Well, I don't know. Because what that's, if there's something in that car, like you're saying, like a body or drugs exactly, or something like that? Exactly. Yeah. I was getting to the dead body part. That was yeah. coming next. No. There's, a, there's a dead body in your trunk and you are trying to escape. Wait, a friend of mine, a guy I know, he's a priest, oh, no. and he does these nightly rounds around, you know, the uh, the perimeter of the church. Yeah. The other day, he was out walking around the perimeter, and there was a car in the parking lot. And he was like, whose car is this? It looks like really clean. So he looks in, shines a little flashlight. On the steering wheel is a sign, or a little post-it note that says, look in, look trunk. in the trunk. Right? And he's mm-hmm. like... What the heck's that mean? He calls the cops. The cops show up like four cop cars, look in the trunk. All of a sudden, they do a, a little license check. They found out that it's the person who runs the daycare at the church. And they're like, is she okay? So they open up the trunk. Turns out that the car was borrowed. The woman who uh, you know owns the car, she let somebody else use it. So as a return thank you, that person had the car detailed and then left a box of saltwater taffy in the trunk. Except everybody else who saw the tag thought it was a dead body. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So there it is. Just exactly. be careful with what's in the trunk. You should really be careful. Anyway, so you want to you want to get a deal on a car, right? Go to the I airport. Seriously, thing. why is why are people abandoning their cars I at don't the know. airport? There's something shaky about I it. I'm not buying one of those cars. Is this auction online, or is it yeah. in person? It's on. It's online. Yeah. Um, let me see. Let me. Where, Maybe maybe you had a terrible breakup in the car and it was so painful yeah. that you had to abandon it because you couldn't emotionally engage with the memory. Right, right. I mean, you always hear stories like that. You know, somebody passed away in the car and, of course, the odor is so bad that they sold it for a dollar. That was always like every 16-year-old kid's dream. Oh, I don't care. I'll buy the car for a buck. I'll drive it around and just put the windows down. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. That's all. Yeah, but, Mike, it is. It is uh, online. The Pittsburgh Allegheny County know. Authority. Right? I think it's shaky. I don't know. You can get a good deal. No, I'm concerned about it. Okay, let's take like a I'm break. I'm concerned about Alexa, which we talked about in our 4 o'clock hour. If you missed any of our 4 o'clock hour or any shows recently, you can find us online at wordfm.com or mm-hmm. get the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, it's time for us to, as they say, step away. But when we come back, we're going to talk about the death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg over the weekend, a remarkable friendship with Antonin Scalia, and what it means for us that the kingdom of God is trending right now on Twitter. 101.5 WORD. Turning Point with David Jeremiah. And when you go through your times of fear, what it says here is this, the angel of the Lord, meaning Jesus Christ, will come and literally encamp around you. The word encamp means to fortify you, to build a hedge around you and protect you in the midst of the fearful experience. Join Dr. David Jeremiah for his series, God, I Need Some Answers, next time on Turning Point. This evening at 7.30 on 101.5 WORD. If you're an employer, a business owner, if you have 5 to 100 employees, listen up. The cost of doing business continues to skyrocket, strangling your HR department with more regulations, administrative duties, and liability than ever. I'm Kathy Emmons. Your health plan's a big part of that cost. Another year, another 10% rate hike, another $1,000 increase on your deductible, another hospital or doctor you can't go to because they're not in network. 
Isn't it time for a change? Stop the insanity. Call Marley Financial, the most innovative agency in the industry. Put an end to the annual increase. Give your employees a national network that all hospitals accept and reduce your monthly premiums by 20 to 30 percent. It doesn't matter when your renewal is. Marley can help today. Call 724-884-1496. Marley Financial, 724-884-1496. Or go to MarleyFG.com. I'm United States Surgeon General Jerome Adams, America's doctor. And all across our nation, we've taken steps together to slow the spread of coronavirus. Now we must continue to take personal responsibility to protect ourselves and our loved ones. Because even though not all of us risk a severe case of coronavirus, we all risk getting it and spreading it to others, maybe without even realizing that we're sick. So if we want to get back to school, back to work, back to worship, and back to overall health, there are things our country needs to do. We need to follow state and local guidelines, take extra precautions if at higher risk, wash our hands frequently, stay six feet from others when we can, And when we can't stay six feet from others, please, I'm begging you, wear a face covering. These small actions will make a big difference. So I'm asking you to say it with me, America. Coronavirus stops with me. You can learn more at coronavirus.gov. Produced by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services at taxpayer expense. This radio station accepts political advertising. In fact, we are required to do so by federal law. We understand that not all of our listeners will agree with statements or positions taken by all of these candidates, and sometimes neither do we. This radio station is an important part of this community, and therefore the candidates want to bring their message to you via our airwaves. We do so as a public service, and we are required to do so. Regardless of your position on these issues, please make Make sure you register to vote so your voice is heard. Well, of course, the death over the weekend of Ruth Bader Ginsburg has sent shockwaves through this country, through the electorate. I don't think that's any sort of an imagination or exaggeration whatsoever. Although it may have been expected, it still came as a deep surprise and have left many people uh, saddened. Other people look at this as a, an exciting development in the hopes that uh, Republicans and especially conservatives can stack the deck for justices of the Supreme Court for the conservative manner. Listen, as soon as I heard about it, I called you Saturday night. Holy heck. I, I was mean, shocked. I, we were. I, it's just it's it's unthinkable that we um, are going to have more drama injected into this presidential election in this uh, pandemic era. It's really, I can't even imagine uh, what the next 50 or so days is going to look like. Um, I I really don't think I agreed with, well, I shouldn't say a single, but I didn't agree with many of Ruth Bader Ginsburg's opinions, um, though I read a lot of them and she's a wonderful writer, but, you know, an admirable person, um, beautifully um, chronicled her marriage with her husband, a mom, a grandma, um, a terrific legal mind. And um, her friendship with Antonin Scalia is something that you and I have talked about before on our program. And it's what a lot of people are remembering today online and wondering if that kind of friendship between a vigorous conservative and a flaming liberal, um, if those friendships are a thing of the past. I mean, can people like that today still be friends? Let me let me read a couple things. This is from I'm reading from The Hill. Um, this is what Ruth Bader Ginsburg said in 
2008 about Antonin Scalia. She said, quote, as annoyed as you might be about his zinging dissent, he's so utterly charming, so amusing, and so sometimes outrageous, you can't help but say, I'm so glad he's my friend or colleague. <laughs> That's lovely. Yeah. And then this is a great story that uh, Scalia's son shared online yesterday on Twitter. Um, he shared a story about Jeffrey Sutton, a federal appeals court judge, and his dad, Antonin Scalia, who wrote about, um, and the son, Christopher, wrote about the uh, the friendship between Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Antonin Scalia. So Jeffrey Sutton said one of his last visits with Scalia before his death, he said that Antonin had just bought two dozen roses for Ruth for her birthday. He questioned why Scalia would make such a big purchase. He said, what good have all these roses done for you? Name one 5-4 case of any significance where you got Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg's vote. Antonin Scalia responded by saying, some things are more important than votes. Beautiful. I mean, because they were both deeply sharp legal minds and because they were so far from each other, as far as the left is from the right, you would think that it would be improbable that they would get to know each other and love each other the way they did. But I think it gives you great hope for this country and especially working very closely in the confines of the Supreme Court that people who rub elbows every day know the political leanings of the opposite side and still become friends. I mean, it's a beautiful thing. We should all take hope yeah, for that. I don't know if it gives me hope for the future. It does. I don't it know. gives I don't me know. hope. Okay. That's good. I don't, because I don't know. I don't see it existing now. Well, I'm not sure. So sure about that. I mean, of course, you know, through a, you know, media landscape, it's easy to see the sharp division, but I, you know, I think I would hope that, you know, they live in such a rarefied air and it's so closed off from the rest of the world. And I think the shared love of the opera. I think that's all. All you need is one thing in common yeah. and then to you can forge a friendship. Things. I mean, you, have you seen the picture of the two of them on an elephant together in India? Yes. I mean, it's, it's so great. It's, so it's great. ridiculous. The other thing, I think that both of them, and, and I realized this again in the last 24 to 48 hours of reading uh, different articles about them, is that they both took their work um, with a sense of whimsy. They weren't totally serious about their politics and their work 100% of the time. Like, for example, um, Scalia was asked about Ginsburg six years ago. He said, what's not to like except her views on the law? Hmm. I mean, so he he's willing to say, like, I can't stand anything she thinks of, but, you know, what's not to like? There's, you can have humor. I think that's what's so drastically missing when you look at Twitter on a daily basis is people are so amped up about politics. There's no way they can even take a moment for any kind of comedy whatsoever because everybody's convinced that America is on the precipice of not existing anymore if the other party wins. Right. And I think, uh, you know, if you're doing this online, you're, you're getting only a portion of the story, right? So we, so, you know, look, after Ruth Bader Ginsburg died, people, I think, were, you know, quick to go on and say, yay, okay, we're going to move, we're going to do this, we're going to, this is going to happen. Meanwhile, you forget the, you know, the God-taken image of the woman, the daughter, 
the wife, the mother, the lover of, you know, beauty and truth and law and all these other things. She just wasn't, I mean, Ruth Bader Ginsburg was not put on this earth just to be a Supreme Court justice. She was many things to many people. So how can we not, you know, as lovers of the United States of America, find that and take that as part of who we are as a country? As opposed to there's a big black check to her because she's supposedly the other side. She's not the other side. She's an American. And what she contributed makes America great because she's just one of the instruments that's being played like you and like me. Antonin Scalia also said, what, Ruth and me? We agree on a whole lot of stuff. Ruth is really bad only on the knee-jerk law stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so what does it mean then that... The people who are involved in the actual decision-making on the Supreme Court are taking it like the, the, the big picture view of it, more importantly than they're taking the vote part of it. And all the rest of us who are just the stand, you know, the bystanders, we're the ones who are taking it life and death seriously. Yeah, I think because... When you know how it is, Kath, when you sit down with someone and you know your coworkers, and you, you have disagreements with your coworkers, of course, no one's going to get along 100% of the time. And especially with the larger issues that the Supreme Court is going through, they are still sitting down and spending valuable time with each other. Mm-hmm. They're breaking bread with each other, right? They're going to events with each other. They're getting to know the inner person. They get to know their children, their grandchildren. So they see them as a whole thing, not again, just as one ideological position on an issue that does matter for the United States. And they're the ones who are fighting the battle, right? They're the ones who are really clashing ideologically. They're the ones who are doing the work. The rest of us are just the ones who watch and we're the ones who've become so hateful. Yes. And I would imagine just because people are people, there are many times, you know, Scalia and Ginsburg would sit down and go, look, you know, it's kind of like in a marriage, you know, I don't necessarily like you right now, but I still love you. Right. I mean, I don't agree with what this crazy thing that you're that you're putting forward, but you're still my friend and we'll get beyond this because that's the nature of friendship. Right. I don't know. I mean, I really, I do have hope for this. And I hope that whatever happens with the Supreme Court moving forward, that those wonderful men and women who are giving their best service, I mean, they're like in the military. They're giving the best of who they are for us as a country. Right. So I would hope that, you know, there would be this commonality and as far divided as the left is from the right and vice versa, that they can still look at each other as friends and allies in this journey of what it is to be human in the 21st century because all you got to do is look at china or russia or whomever they do not wish us well so even though it's difficult internally we still you know are americans first and foremost and the rest of the world we're praying that they would come along with us and follow those ideals at scalia's memorial service in 2016 ruth bader ginsburg recounted the story of how when she was writing the high court's majority opinion striking down the virginia military institute's ban on admitting women scalia showed her his unfinished dissent quote it was a zinger she said filled with disdainful footnotes but i was glad to have the extra days to adjust the court's opinion my final draft was much improved thanks to Judge Scalia's searing criticism. Wow. Now, how many of us can say 
my opinion, my article, my commentary, my tweet, whatever it was, was much improved thanks to my opponent's searing criticism. Who allowed me access to that so that we could both chew on this together as we move forward. Yep. She said, quote, how blessed I was, thinking back on her friendship with Antonin Scalia, to have a working colleague and dear friend of such captivating brilliance, high spirits, and quick wit. Mm. That is so good. Well, God bless her. You know, I mean, yeah. in these hard times, we need all the unity we can squeeze out of each other because it is such a brutal and, and just historically super bad time. Well, listen, so... Uh, Justice Ginsburg will lie in repose at the Supreme Court. She'll lie in state at the Capitol this week, providing the public an opportunity to pay their respects. The casket will arrive front of the court just before 930 Wednesday. Then Ginsburg's family, close friends, members of the court would participate in a private ceremony at 930 a.m. She will then lie in repose under the portico at the top of the front steps of the Supreme Court building to allow for public viewing outdoors. Mm. The public is invited to pay respects in front of the building from 11 a.m. until 10 p.m. on Wednesday, September 23rd, and from 9 a.m. until 10 p.m. on Thursday, the 24th. That's so good. So everyone gets to go if you're so inclined. It's good for America. We should all mourn together. All right. Coming up uh, in the rest of the five o'clock hour, we're 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 going to continue our conversation about Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Also, we'll talk about Dorothy and Jack, the transforming friendship of Dorothy L. Sayers and C.S. Lewis. That's a new book out by Gina D'Alfonso. She'll join us at 535. Uh, Coming up next, though, local news, a big Steeler win last night versus the Denver Broncos. It was a little shaky there for a while, people, but don't you worry. The hometown team came back with the victory. Also, some more local news from the Pittsburgh area. Thanks for joining us today. Monday edition, Ride Home. We are limiting the number of people in the office. It's patients and staff members only. At Stock Family Dentistry, exceptional dentistry begins with safety. We look a little different. We have more gear on, hand sanitizing stations throughout the office, frequently disinfecting all common areas. We're even using a UV light. All of these precautions are put into place for our patients' safety and our team members' safety. On Perry Highway in Wexford at StockFamilyDentistry.com. Why should young people care about the spread of coronavirus. Well, we know that people with underlying medical conditions over the age of 60 are at highest risk, but they've got to get it from somebody. So we're asking everyone to be selfless for others so that we can protect those who are most susceptible. Not going to bars, not going to restaurants. It all just means physical separation so that you have a space between you and others. For more information on how you can social distance, please go to coronavirus.gov. Drusky Entertainment proudly presents Skillet in Concert, October 3rd, 7.30 p.m. at the Starlight Drive-In, Butler, PA, with special guest Colton Dixon. Drive-in tickets available now at druskyent.com. Gates open at 5.30, rain or shine. Skillet, October 3rd at the Starlight Drive-In, Butler, PA. Visit Drusky Entertainment for details at druskyent.com. If you're a believer in Jesus then you know the power of what 
community is all about. There is something about everyone moving in the same direction, or at least trying to move in the same direction. The goal is always grace and forgiveness and peace in Jesus Christ. Now, when you look at the pandemic across America, and especially in the recent higher education rise of pandemic cases, you know things are off the charts. Well, look, at Grove City College, because people are moving in the same direction, and I'm not saying this is going to last forever, but right now, the pandemic is very low-key at Grove City College because, I believe, the power of community and that nature that everyone is together. That's why we're thrilled, Kath and I, that both our kids attend Grove City College right now. Yeah, you're right, John, because things can change at any time. We've seen this, right, story after story over the last six months, but... I join with you in saying that I'm confident that at least there is a concerted effort of people trying. There's an administration that is really behind a consistent, solid plan, and they're being really good about following through. I mean, there's not much more we can do in times like this other than have a plan and try to stick to it, and they are. Right. And the students get the message, and they're working it too. Excellence in action. Look online at Grove City College, gcc.edu. That's Grove City. Listen on your smart speaker, the Word FM app at wordfm.com, iHeart, tune in, and on radio.com, in the car or at home, too, at 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh. Tonight will be clear and cool with temperatures approaching the record low of 37. Last reached in 1999, we'll see a low of 39. Tomorrow, hazy sunshine. Tomorrow's high, 69. Tomorrow night, clear skies with a low of 48. Wednesday will be mostly sunny and nice. Expect a high Wednesday of 76. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. Yeah, I think um, we know any number of our friends who have um, sort of picketed the Steelers for their political activism. Um, yeah. That has not stopped you and I. No. I'm still, I'm still chiming in. Mike, are, are you watching the Steelers or, or are you still continuing your ban? No, I, I only skipped the first week. Um, I'm currently watching the Steelers right as of the right Steelers. Yes. So the Steelers called and asked you to come back, and you acquiesced. Well, he took a limited moral they, stand. They could not take the fact that I was not giving them enough revenue while uh, while watching them. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll tell you what, so. I couldn't take it. Please come back, Mike. Please <laughs> buy a foam finger, please, because we need that. <laughs> uh, it was a great game last night. Oh my gosh, I thought they were going to blow it in the fourth quarter. This is, I believe, the players. This may have been one instance where they go, "We're happy there were no f- fans in the stands because people would have been showering booze down on that." Okay, except okay. So yeah, I can't stand boo birds. I really hate yeah, booing. I'm not saying people don't have a right to do it. I just don't think boo it's, your team. It's just terrible. But that one pass from Ben has got to be top 10 his oh, career ever. That was beautiful, it wasn't it? It was so right gorgeous. There. Yeah, it sure was. Ben uh, looked pretty good, didn't he? Yeah, he looked great. Yeah. I mean, he uh, had a couple, yeah, he had a couple low moments, but overall, I was really happy with it. He's he said that he man. played a terrible game. Well, what about but, our penalties? There were a lot of penalties. Folks. There were a lot of penalties. about the Steelers. They are always their own worst enemy, aren't they? Oh gosh, they it's do. rough. They right. shoot themselves in the foot every game, it seems. Yeah, and the vaunted defense made their second-string quarterback, you know, look not pretty look good. so bad. No, exactly. When that first quarterback went down, you think, okay, we got this in the bag. Right. It didn't that look that way. In the fourth quarter, you're hanging on to your hat. 
but James Conner got over 100 yards. I was happy, 106, 107 yards. Well, they had that one gigantic run, right? Yeah, wasn't that great? Oh, my yeah. gosh. I really uh, enjoyed the heck out of it. He's not the back of the future, is he? He's not, Kath. Well, here's the thing. There's no back that's the back of the future because being a running back is such a short shelf life. Yeah, but he's going to, I mean, you know, you know, I wish we had the bus. Let me just say, I was happy he didn't get hurt in yesterday's game. That's exactly it. Right. I don't know. Anyway, Mike, we're glad you're back and okay, let's go Steelers, right? Yeah. Now I can text Mike again during the game. I was feeling so restricted before. Yeah. Cause you know, it's so hard when you have a friend who takes a moral stand. I couldn't, I can't take all the politics. I just, he was rough. No, I I get it. Mike, I get it. Believe me. I'm I'm in the same boat, but I, you know, it comes in my kid though. He delivered a little bit of a crushing blow to me the other day. I was like, Hey Steelers, you know, Steelers. He was, you know what he said to me? Hmm. Dad, you know what? I really don't really care that much about football. What? I was like, where did you go wrong as a parent? I was dumbfounded. I was was like, he goes, I'll watch it if you have it on, but I'm not really that interested. Uh, This kid's 21 years old. What happened here? I did. I felt like a failure in some degree. Yeah, we're looking at you that way, too. Thanks. Sorry for that. Terrible. It's a shame. Get the dance cap. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what the heck? Hey, um, have you been out to eat? Did you go out to eat this weekend? No. Well, we did take out. Where'd you go? Does that count? Uh, we counts. did uh, El Campesino yeah. for fish tacos uh, and Huevos Mexicanos Friday night. And then Sunday we were at Pizza Italia as we are every other Sunday. Okay. All right. What I about saw, you? Uh, they went to, uh, they went to, um, <laughs> they went to. <laughs> they, who's they? <laughs> What's happened to me? Like overnight I've turned into a 190 year old man. <laughs> I'm like, what is Overnight. I mean, that's what it feels like. I used to like, you know, be something happening here. Now I'm like content to sit on the porch. They went to. <laughs> you mean the other members of your immediate family? Yes. They, them, they went to Chipotle. Oh, and you yeah. didn't. No, they bought me a burrito. And I sat there like an old man and ate it. <laughs> that's pathetic. Seriously, I got nothing. <laughs> oh, I got nothing. Uh, let's take a break, anyway, okay? Okay, let's. All right. <laughs> Dorothy and Jack, that's coming up next. We're going to talk about Dorothy Sayers, C.S. Lewis. WORD. You can discipline your child in a God-centered, grace-based way. On the next Focus on the Family, you'll learn how to convey love to your child in the midst of their misbehavior, how to become a calmer parent, and how to see the positive attributes of bad behavior. That's next time on Focus on the Family with Jim Daly. Tonight at 8.30 on 101.5 WORD. We're all thinking a lot more about staying safe these days. Windows R Us Pittsburgh is no different. When it comes to working around your home, Windows R Us remains committed to the safety of you and your family. For roofs, gutters, and downspouts, siding, and of course, windows, Windows R Us Pittsburgh can answer the call. With over 50 years of home remodeling experience, Windows R Us has earned its reputation as the area's premier exterior replacement company and all work will be done in strict compliance with the government's social distancing guidelines. If you've had damage, you may be eligible for a free repair or replacement. Visit windowsoruspittsburgh.com for a free inspection from one of the highly trained appraisers. 
You'll love their no-pressure approach, no hidden fees, and one of the fastest turnaround times in the industry from a company that will never skip town when it comes to honoring their warranty. Why pay double? Trust the area's premier exterior replacement company, WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. That's WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. Hi, I'm Katie Farrell. I'm an author, a registered nurse, and a mom and wife to some of the pickiest eaters on the planet. People say that eating healthy is bland and boring, but I'm here to show you a better way with wholesome, simple recipes. Watch Dashing Dish on WPCB Cornerstone Television Tuesdays at 9 p.m. Eat better, feel great with Dashing Dish. Find us on Pittsburgh Channel 40 or Channel 5 on Comcast and Verizon. Join Pittsburgh Theological Seminary online each Wednesday in October at 7.30 p.m. for the combined McClure Lectures and World Mission Initiatives Month of Mission series titled Jesus Christ and the Dividing Wall, Race and God's Mission. You'll hear keynotes from the Reverend Dr. Brenda Salter-McNeil, the Reverend Jonathan Wilson-Hartgrove, and Dr. David Kant. The event is free to all who register. Learn more at pts.edu. This is Albert Bowler with another word about the upcoming election. There is so much at stake. We might not be able to vote as conveniently as we voted before, but that just puts on Christian citizens the responsibility to work even harder to make sure that we vote and that our vote counts. Too much is at stake to sit this election out. So, whatever it takes, go vote. We were just talking about the uh, the friendship of Anthony Scalia and Dorth, uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, which made us think about, you know, mismatched couples. I mean, how do people become friends through different political ideologies or faith connections? Well, Gina Delfonso is back with us. Gina's been a guest on a show many times over the years. She's got a brand new workout. Very interesting. It's called Dorothy and Jack, the transforming friendship of Dorothy L. Sayers and C.S. Lewis. Gina, welcome back to the show. How are you? Great. Thank you so much. Our pleasure, always. Yeah. Okay. So I would think that for most of our listeners, C.S. Lewis is a name with which at least they're familiar, probably less so with Dorothy Sayers. So give us Mm -hmm. a sketch about each one of these two, Gina. Well, as you say, most of us are pretty familiar with Lewis. And aside from all his wonderful books like The Screwtape Letters, Mere Christianity, Narnia, etc., a lot of us are familiar with his friendship with J.R.R. Tolkien, author of The Lord of the Rings, and another, a whole group of male friends called the Inklings who used to share their work with each other and that read it read it to each other and critique it. Uh, Dorothy L. Sayers is best known for her mystery novels, the Lord Peter Whimsey series uh, from the golden age of detective fiction. She was right up there with Agatha Christie uh, as, as a famous writer of detective stories, uh, but she was also a playwright, a translator, an essayist, and in her own way, a theologian, she did a lot of the same kind of apologetics work that Lewis was doing. I see. So then in that circle of theology writing, is that where the friendship of Dorothy L. Sayers and C.S. Lewis, is that where that first started? 
they first became familiar with each other's work. Uh, Sayers was already a well-known writer at that time, and Lewis was just starting to become a well-known writer, and they were reading each other's work and liking what they saw. And so Sayers wrote Lewis a fan letter, which meant a great deal to him as a young writer just coming up uh, to get that kind of encouragement from somebody famous. And he wrote back, and they soon established a friendship, uh, mainly through letters, although they did have a chance to get together once in a while. And it's great that it happened that way because now we have all their letters to read and they are wonderful and warm and funny. And I just had a ball reading them Mm. and and, uh, tried to quote from them extensively in the book. Oh, how nice. Okay, so Gina, as John said, we spent the segment before you came on talking about uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Antonin Scalia and Mm -hmm. their friendship over the years that we're hoping might inspire more people to reach across the political divide and actually see the good in someone who might have a different political perspective than they did. Talk about this friendship between um, Lewis and Dorothy Sayers. What was it like? Well, They had a lot of things in common, like their faith and their writing, but then they did have some differences, too, and so uh, sometimes they would bicker and argue. (laughs) Uh, There there were – they would clash over things like – artistic integrity and what that meant for a Christian and and how a Christian should write. You know, how do you put your faith into your work? Do you make it explicit all the time? Do you you just make it implicit and make people have to to, uh, sort of search for it? Uh, Do you you put the message first? Do you put the artistry first? Uh, Do you write anything people ask you to write, or do you just stay in your lane and stick with what you know best? They, They... bickered over all these kinds of issues, and uh, so they they did have their differences, but they also had great respect for each other, and they were very much uh, on the same journey, in a sense. Uh, Lewis, among the Inklings, he was working, he was with a lot of creative writers, but he didn't, they, they weren't apologists and popularizers of theology in the way that he was. So that he had in common with Sayers. They were both in this position trying to make Christianity clear and understandable to people who weren't that familiar with it and didn't really get it. So they had that in common, and they could sort of buck each other up a little bit when that got difficult. Interesting. Mm. We're talking with Gina Delfonso. Her brand new work is called Dorothy and Jack, The Transforming Friendship of Dorothy L. Sayers and C.S. Lewis. Gina, you know, one of the great tragedies of living in this age is that there'll probably be very few people who 100 years from now will go back and unearth emails between us and our corresponding friends. So there's something that's magical in, in many ways and beautiful as well to look at letters that you know went through the mail and had the person's particular handwriting style and go back and forth between the two talk about those letters those that catalog how where how were they found where were they and how did you go back and forth to look at those conversations well, first of all, you're exactly right, and I feel terribly sorry for biographers of the future who will have to work with emails and texts instead of letters. Oh, right. I, I think it will be so hard. But uh, I had first read uh, their letters to each other back when I was, you know, just coming out of college in my early 20s. I, I had studied them both in a college class, and so I started reading pretty much everything I could find that they wrote. And part of that were their collected letters. And uh, I I had seen, 
you know, his letters to her and hers to him and just thought they were so much fun to read. And so when I started this project, I mean, I was literally sitting on the couch with all these volumes of letters around me with a bunch of those little sticky tabs and sticking them on pages. I, they're still there. I could show you if it, um, but uh, if I were in the room. But uh, just so many marking up all the letters that they wrote to each other and then I just going through and reading them chronologically and picking out the themes that were important and following the arc of this friendship. And, you know, as, as hard work as it was, it was great fun to do. I also went to the Wade Center at Wheaton and looked up some of their unpublished letters there. So that was fun to do as well. And so any idea of how many letters there were over what time period? There were dozens. I I haven't made an exact count, but there were quite a few. And this was from 1942 when they first uh, made contact with each other to 1957 when Sayers died. Their friendship uh, lasted those 15 years. Mm. We're talking to Gina D'Alfonso. Her brand new book is called Dorothy and Jack, The Transforming Friendship of Dorothy L. Sayers and C.S. Lewis. One of the things I think is kind of curious today, Gina, and I'm telling you this because, you know, I follow you on Twitter and I know what a fan you are of Turner Classic Movies. I mean, you yeah. get a, you get a good story. Um, but a lot of Christians today tend to pan fiction. They say, well, you know, if you're really, you know, a serious writer, you're writing nonfiction and you're reading nonfiction. But that certainly wasn't the case for either Lewis or Sayers. Mm-hmm. That's right. They were both great readers of fiction as well as great writers of fiction. Uh, of course, Lewis with Narnia and others, um, his his sci-fi works and so forth, and Sayers with the uh, Lord Peter Whimsey stories and some of her plays and so forth. And uh, they both thought fiction was tremendously important. Um, just not even... Not even so much for sending a message, as I told you. They, right. they did, they did yeah. some back and forth about that. Yeah. But just, just to uh, share the gifts that God had given them of creating and putting something really good and beautiful out there into the world. Yeah. Okay. So talk about that. So they, they were disagreeing. Um, was she kind of panning him because she thought that the Narnia Chronicles were too, too allegorical? Actually, no, she did like the Narnia Chronicles, but I think um, at at one point they were, she thought that he was a little bit too inclined to just write whatever was asked of him. And she, she told him, you know, whatever God gives you to say, that's what you have to say and not be pulled out onto all these other topics and tangents that maybe you don't know much about and somebody else could do better than you. And and she believed that, you know, the the thing that God has put into your head to say, that's that's what you put out there. And and I she she told him, you know, I she said, I think you really are with me on this if you would only admit it. And and I think there was some truth in that because in some of Lewis's later essays, you can hear him sort of echoing her a little bit. Like when he writes about Narnia, he says the image of a lion came into my head first and the image of a lamppost. And I put the, I, I started to write the story and then all the, all the themes and all the, the Christianity came along with them. <laughs> and that's, mm. that's how Narnia worked. And that's exactly how Sayers thought these things ought to work. So yeah, I think she did have a little bit of an influence on him there. 
Oh, fabulous. So, Gina, then you, you went along for a journey. Your scholarship allowed you to unearth, and kind of like Dorothy L. Sayers, you were uncovering a mystery at the same time. So what was the takeaway? You know, when the book was all said and done, the manuscript was completed, you had to think about these two, Dorothy and C.S. Lewis, like, like you knew them in a way. What's mm-hmm. your takeaway from the whole relationship? It's just a wonderful story of the value of friendship, of friendship that reaches across barriers because they had they had a cross gender friendship, which um, for Lewis especially was a little bit rare. He he had some female friends that he had great regard for, but he had he had lived a long time in virtually an all male world, so it was a great growing experience for him. And uh, it was just a story of what friendship can do to us do for us, how it helps us to grow, uh, learn about other perspectives than our own, learn to uh, push back a little, and also learn to just just uh, have fun <laughs> together. Uh, their friendship over the years, uh, they started out keeping things very professional, but then they started writing about more personal things. And uh, Lewis, in particular, he he had uh, he had always said that he liked to keep his friendships, you know, just strictly based on what we have in common and nothing else. But he got a little bit beyond that with Sayers. They they managed to talk about more personal things that were important to both of them, and I, I think it was a great growth experience for them both. That's Gina D'Alfonso, the brand new book, Dorothy and Jack, The Transforming Friendship of Dorothy L. Sayers and C.S. Lewis. Gina, thanks for being back. Thanks so much for having me. Always a great pleasure. Let's take a break. We got more ahead. Uh, When we come back. What's trending on Twitter? What is trending on Twitter? Kingdom of God. What does that mean? Mm. All right. Stick around for that conversation. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, the Stay Home Edition here on Word FM. It's me, Marsha, from the Spring House. Isn't this a fabulous time of year, especially on our dairy farm in Washington County, PA? The pumpkins are turning, the corn is waving in the wind, and the hog quarters are on the pit every Sunday through the end of October. That's right. It's time for our annual 4-H hog roast. Mom bought a bunch of 4-H hogs that we will be roasting over the open pit outside all morning long. Alongside that tender, tasty, charred pork, we'll be serving pork and kraut, barbecued pork, hand-peeled mashed potatoes with pork dripping gravy, sage stuffing, baked beans, homemade applesauce, and all kinds of family recipe fall veggies and casseroles. We'll even have live music by local musicians. To keep the crowd spread out and everybody healthy this year, we have two jumbo tents set up outside too. And the pumpkin patch hay rides will run 11 to 5 all weekend. Good old-fashioned fall fun and feasting on the farm. Come join us, springhousemarket.com. Let's say you've decided to build a bicycle from scratch. Sounds like an impossible project for my skills, but let's say you've got the skills and you're building this bike, and I offer you an advantage, a special tool that would help you build the bike faster while saving you legitimate money. My guess is you'd say, bring it on. If you wouldn't, well, then this commercial isn't going to make much sense. My name is Ryan. I'm from United Faith Mortgage, and we believe we have an advantageous tool for you. Our mortgage team is lucky to have a direct lender advantage. Our company is set up to use its own money and make its own lending decisions within its own walls. There's no middleman. And often, this advantage allows us to get your refinance or new home loan done faster and get you a better rate, which saves you monthly and lifelong money. Rates are historically low. Now is the time to see how our special tool might work for you. We are United Faith Mortgage. United Mortgage Court, Melville, New York. MLS number 1330. Department of Banking. Mortgage Lender License number 22672. 
Hi, I'm Katie Farrell. I'm an author, a registered nurse, and a mom and wife to some of the pickiest eaters on the planet. People say that eating healthy is bland and boring, but I'm here to show you a better way with wholesome, simple recipes. Watch Dashing Dish on WPCB Cornerstone Television Tuesdays at 9 p.m. Eat better, feel great with Dashing Dish. Find us on Pittsburgh Channel 40 or Channel 5 on Comcast and Verizon. Welcome back to Customize and Save with Liberty Mutual Insurance Company, the game show where you only pay for what you need. And we're out of time. Only pay for what you need at LibertyMutual.com. Liberty, 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 Liberty. I love being a part of Action Team. For more than a decade, Major League Baseball players and action teams of high school students have been working together to train and inspire the next generation of volunteers. It's one of the best feelings in the world. Just that simple act is transforming someone else's life. All-star Giancarlo Stanton and Chris Capuano join Action Team captains to make a difference in their communities. It'll just make you feel so good about yourself. I'd do anything to convince you just to be a part of this. For more information, go to actionteam.org. So for those of you who follow along on Twitter, whether you're a tweeter or you're someone who's kind of a lurker, uh, you might be surprised to know that the term kingdom of God is trending today. And you think, well, why in the world are most people on Twitter talking, or a majority of people on Twitter talking about kingdom of God. Well, it actually has to do with the uh, Supreme Court vacancy that was left after the death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg over the weekend. Apparently, President Trump has said that he will nominate a woman to take her place. And so the first woman that pops to mind is Amy Coney Barrett of Notre Dame University. And the reason she pops to mind is she was one of the four, I think, that he narrowed it down to when he finally chose Brett Kavanaugh Mm -hmm. last time. Um, Amy Coney Barrett is a uh, a law professor. She is a wife and a mom of several kids. I don't know how many. Um, and she was quizzed famously by Diane Feinstein in the Senate Judiciary Committee um, when she was being approved, I believe, for a circuit court judge position. Yes. I think that's what it was, it was right? right? Yeah. And famously, Joanne Feinstein the said uh, that the dogma, referring mm-hmm. to the Catholic dogma, the dogma lives loudly within you. Mm-hmm. which was some kind of disparaging comment that because she was a religious person, that she would not be able to overcome that in her work as a judge. Um, I was reading a quote by her today, John. I wondered if I could share it with you. Please, this is yes. really good. She said, this is Amy Coney Barrett. She said, I think when you step back and you think about the debate about whether someone's religion has any bearing on their fitness for office, it seems to me that the premise of the question is that people of faith would have a uniquely difficult time separating out their moral commitments from their obligation to apply the law. And I think that people of faith should reject that premise because most people have moral convictions, whether or not they come from faith. People who have no faith, people who are not religious, have deeply held moral convictions. And it is just as important for those people to be sure to set aside personal moral convictions as personal preferences and follow the law. That's a challenge for those who have faith. It's also a challenge for those who have no faith. Yes, very good. And the the thing about this kingdom of God, she said years ago that a legal career is but a means to an end, and that end is building the kingdom of God. Okay, so that's that's how it started trending. Okay, so kingdom of God. So if you're not a Christian, if you're not a person of faith, John, what do you think of when you hear kingdom of God? Right. What is this? Some sort of empire? It seems cultish in a way. 
mm-hmm. right? That you, um, you're, you're away from mainstream society and what you're proposing is a myster- is a mystery beyond me. And it may seem dangerous to people. Of so course, for, it should feel dangerous. Right. So for progressive Christians who aren't familiar with just general faith vocabulary, that might seem aggressive. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Actually, right. So if if you're listening to the program, maybe you're one of those people who's never heard that term before. I can tell you that there's nothing particularly aggressive about it. No. Kingdom of God is just, it's basically everything that we are all looking for in America now, looking for justice, looking for equality, looking for tolerance, looking for kindness and mercy. Those are all things that would describe the kingdom of God. And what it were that we lived in the perfection of the kingdom of God here on earth, as well, of course, one day in heaven. But it is scary to a lot of people, which is that same, you know, the the dogma is loud within you. Oh, God. It's ridiculous. Anyway, thanks for being with us. Podcast is up and running. God willing, we'll see you tomorrow. Have a great night. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, a production of Salem Media Group.